Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, October fifteenth. 2021, my name is Jake Luke, and I am joined on screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, bud? Going quite well. Football is back on. About to watch some Thursday night football. We're recording on Thursday, obviously. So I'm excited for that. Bucks, Eagles, fun game. I think we're into the thick of it now. And it's, you know, week six. We're chugging along here. We're hitting, you know, over a third of the way through the season. And I'm excited. I think we're getting to the point where we start to see who the who teams are, if they are who we thought they were, or if they're something different. And I think this will be interesting little case for the Eagles. See what they can do. Short week. Bucks are missing some players, so one of those examples. Now we're starting to see a team like the Chargers that the Ravens are going to play, and we're going to get to here. That I think they're a Super Bowl favorite, man. I think they're a really good team. And similarly to the Ravens, when you just have a young, athletic gifted quarterback that can do it all, you're probably a Super Bowl contender. So I'm excited to see this matchup. I've been looking forward to this one since the schedule came out. I'm happy that it's in in Baltimore at 1 p.m. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, definitely feels like uh, something that would be a primetime matchup, but uh, certainly a primetime opponent as far as uh, just the Chargers and the fact that they are kind of this uh, new hotshot Super Bowl contender. It feels like there's a new one every year in uh, a lot of different ways. And um This one feels like as legit of one as I can remember in a long time. Justin Herbert, uh, he is, uh, I think Lamar Jackson put it that he's balling out of control. I think uh, that's probably as eloquent as I could, you know, possibly put it. The guy is uh, absolutely legit. I wouldn't say I had my, uh, I had my doubts about him or anything like that, but I was expecting kind of a little bit of a natural kind of sophomore slump. Uh, It's not happening at all. He's a hundred percent legit, hundred percent, the total package. And, uh, it's going to be quite a game. It's going to be a difficult game for the Ravens, who have, uh, let's be honest, scraped out wins in every game except for one this year. Uh, the Chargers actually alternatively just scraped one out 
uh, in their home stadium uh, against the Brownies last week in a barn burner of a 47-42 game. Uh, really hate to see the Browns on the losing end of 47-42 game uh, in back-to-back years. Uh, that's that's really tough. And uh, both of those teams are, of course, going to be facing off this weekend, and it's going to be a fun one. So I'm excited, too. It is. The Browns have an interesting game in their own respect against the Cardinals, who might be without some players due to COVID. So that's a fun one to watch. But, yeah, Herbert, man, uh, tweeted earlier, messing around, the hippie Elway. Kind of really like that comparison. Uh, Josh Allen for liberals was another good one that I saw. What'd you say? Josh Allen for liberals was another good one that I saw. Yep, I like that as well. I, I call him the good Josh Allen as opposed to the evil Josh Allen not the bad Josh Allen, as opposed to the one that goes insane and sometimes has these let's really say, high uh, volatility plays. Let's say just, uh, Josh Allen is chaotic good. Justin Herbert is lawful good. Yes, that's another good way of putting it. We're on a roll right now. I love watching Justin Herbert play. Um, I actually attended week one Washington football team, and I think he looked a little bit mortal in that game, but still his ability to drive the ball to the sideline is rare and unique how many throws underneath to the very boundary he can make and stretch a defense laterally is just crazy to watch. Uh, and then it's like, oh yeah, he's kind of fucking fast too and can just tuck it whenever he, you know, whenever he casually rolls out and, oh, Miles Garrett wants to chase him down. Oh no, I'll just stiff arm Miles Garrett and go pick up like 12 or 15 yards or something. Um, even in jo- so similar to Josh Allen, the run game in that way where it's like, oh yeah, he has an inc- a rocket for an arm can push you vertically, can push you laterally. Oh, yeah, and he can go, you know, hurt you. I don't don't think he likes to run as much as Josh Allen does. And I don't really think there's any quarterback that likes to run as much as Josh Allen does. When they were playing, I think they played the Vikings two weeks ago. I don't remember who who they were playing, but a linebacker tried to go kind of push Josh Allen out of bounds. Josh Allen grabbed him by the back of his helmet and just took him with him. It was so sick. Like, if, if you're a Bills fan, of course, it's a Bills quarterback doing that. Like, how can you not love it? But... Uh, yeah, chaotic good versus lawful good. And, and Justin Herbert's just kind of a terminator, man. He kind of just mows you down slowly over time. And, and you know, if, if someone's wide open, he's going to see them and he's going to hit them. I feel like he has great field vision. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He's the kid who uh, you grew up with and he was on all the teams. And he had one sport that he was really good at, but he was just good at every sport. And he was really cool and he was very humble about it. You know this kid. I knew the, uh, I'm thinking uh, – of one exactly is my lights flicker here, which is sick, but I'm thinking of one exact guy who he reminds me a lot of. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just interesting. The juxtaposition of, um, him versus some of the other superstars in the league who not even necessarily quarterbacks, but guys that are just super vocal. He's really not like that at all. And, uh, it's been, uh, as far as like the run up to the game as you know, when you're talking about like rivalries and stuff like that, like you go back to that, Chiefs matchup a couple of years ago, it felt like for whatever reason, there was some like animosity where like the Chiefs come into the ball, come into M&T Bank and whip up on the Ravens. Then they walk out of there and then you got like Frank Clark and those guys like tweeting about like busting down the door and taking their shit and stuff like that. It feels like it's not that at all. And I think Herbert is a big part of kind of the respectful nature of it and everything like that, as is Brandon Staley, who uh, is people are kind of going crazy over him. I think rightfully so. I think he's a hire who... I was intrigued by, I wasn't all the way in, but I was optimistic about it. People were pre, a lot of people were killing that hire when it happened in the off season. I'm, I'm not quick to forget that. I think, uh, there was some animosity towards it because they felt like, I think rightfully so in some ways that it looked like a little bit of a leap over somebody like Eric B who's obviously very qualified and that's a whole different conversation, but 
now we've reached a point where some of the studs and duds are sort of coming to uh, rise into the top out of this uh, this coaching class uh, of new hires, and he's uh, right at the top of the list, in my opinion. He's a guy who's providing great, uh, insightful quotes each and every week. He's uh, been a pleasure to follow uh, throughout the first couple weeks of his career. So uh, if nothing else, I mean, it's, you know, the, the respect uh, points earned, you know, status is off the charts here. Yeah, there's a couple interesting parallels there. Not even parallel the first one. He he is Vic Fangio's disciple, number one. He was the outside linebackers coach for Vic Fangio in Chicago. So he likes that too high business, all that good stuff. Uh, number two, he his speak reminds me of a combination. I swear I'm not even being a homer here. A combination of John Harbaugh and Nick Saban, like the way he conducts himself at pressers, the way he always says, um, like Saban always goes like, you know, we got to be better. I right? we need to do a better job. I right? like he always has that. Uh, I think Brandon Staley says, okay. So he'll be like, coaching is something that is a very sacred mantle. Okay. We you know need what to he, take you know what he should be doing. To, life, okay. You know what he should do to enhance his brand as the uh, young kind of hip millennials do like. He should just say like like every other word. You know what I'm saying? He's like, not. No, he's too intense for that. Too intense. Yeah, but like if he wants to be the cool hip young guy, then you know, be be a little scatterbrained. Say like every other word and get people kind of be like, oh, this this clown. What's going on? I don't think he wants to be the cool hip young guy. I think he wants to be the cool hip smart guy. Okay. So he so he's kind of like a uh, he's Cliff Kingsbury, but for married dudes. Yes. Okay. Yep. He's married Kingsbury. Okay. Kingsbury. We don't know. But yeah, so um, he he just speaks with a lot of poise. And, uh, you know, he's saying these things that I don't think are really revelations, but he has a ton of, uh, he's an orator. He likes to, you can tell he likes to speak. He's rehearsed. He commands a room and he's an orator. So it's, it's fun to listen to him. I don't think he said anything that's really that groundbreaking. Like, oh, pressures are more consistent than sacks. Like, You've read the any football articles on the internet, you know that. Or, you know, talking about running the ball is something that you need to be able to do. Oh, okay, really? Wow, every team that kind of wins Super Bowls ends up running the ball well in that game. Uh, things like that. So it's it's nothing crazy, but he just has so much confidence, so much poise, very respectful guy, and smart, man. He, you can tell that his team is fully bought in. They're, you know, coming going to a new city. That Chargers organization has kind of been this – Will Walt? No, I can't think of the right word. Wilting, Wilting decaying, Willow. kind of, you know, a tumbleweed blowing in the wind, and they kind of follow the Rams to L.A. and kind of, you know, maybe mooch off the stadium a little bit and don't really have a fan base. Oh, oh my God! All of a sudden, they have Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater. Like they're loaded, man. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. They got all these players, these faces, these personalities, they've got a lot of camaraderie to them. They've got this confident feistiness about them. Uh, they're, they're a physical football team. They have a great offensive line. They've got a smart defense with players at every level. So it's kind of like they just, I don't know, the, the Spanoses have frankly been shitty for years and they kind of trip and fall and have this well-oiled machine like a freaking, you know, uh, Jeep Summit. Whatever. I don't know if you guys have seen the new Jeep that's coming out, like the $110,000 Jeep that has a fridge inside the center console but they just remind me of that as a car they're like this savvy new cool well-oiled machine i don't know and if anyone would ever refer to a jeep, horrible brand a, a jeep as a well-oiled machine but they are they are cool looking that's the a car that's, ca- that's a car like guy crazy thing. they're made they're made not in like mexico or something they're made somewhere good they're uh, new jeep model 
It's like Grand Chair. I can't think of it. They kind of what car I'll would they be? What, what would they be? Would they be like a? They wouldn't be a Tesla. I don't think that's a little too cool. Yeah, the Rams are the Tesla. Rams are the Tesla. Actually, that's a good take. What are, yeah, Rams are the Tesla. I'm te- Wagoneer. That's what they're called. Jeep Wagoneer. That is the. Uh, I could see it. Yeah. Okay. I could see. I could see Herbie with those uh, those long luscious locks, kind of flapping. Exactly. He's a Jeep, Jeep guy. He's up in Eugene, Oregon. He's all you know, I, the, the hippie Elway man. Okay, I like that. El- Elway was actually Jeep. a little bit of a hippie himself back in the day. A little bit, I guess. Hey, uh, he's he's always too big of a dick to be a hippie. Well, he was, but he was he was uh, they, one of the knocks on him, which uh, if you listen to the Forgotten Dynasty podcast, is that he uh, was looked at as a little bit of a laid back surfer bro from California who didn't want to didn't want to go out and play in the play in the East Coast weather. He Shout was looked at that way, but that's not what he was. Well, that was yeah, that's like, it's that was funny. Like I was bringing the, I was bringing the point around that that was a great take by uh, one Terry Bragshaw of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fame. You you hate to see that from Terry, right? That's who said it. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's like always like a pro level baseball player. He's not a always not a surfer, dude. Yeah, check out uh check out uh, Elway the hair Thirty middle. for Thirty if you're looking for uh, some good content on that because great stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so Chargers, they're in a good place. They, you know, beat the Chiefs. They drum the Raiders. Uh, I haven't gotten to watch that Cowboys game yet. I think people kind of forget about that one. Like, that's where their loss came from, from a good Cowboys team that, I'm going to be honest, I was doing my preseason kind of, you know, bullshit uh, schedule prediction, and I was like, Cowboys should be really good. Like, everything should be good. The line's there. They've got the talent on offense. You know, they made some additions on defense. They bring in Dan Quinn. I was like, I just don't trust them. Nine and eight. I think I put them at nine and eight. But they're they're trustworthy. Dan Quinn's made a huge difference. Kellen Moore stood out, and I, I need to go back and watch that game. I've watched most of the Browns game for the Chargers so far, but uh, that that game was a little bit of a clunker. And this Browns game had a lot of funny plays in it, a lot of blown assignments on both sides. Uh, very interesting. But Chargers are in a great place, and they're just kind of like the I don't want to call them the group of misfit toys, but they just like it was such an organic process of all of these elements coming together. It's interesting to, to me because team. like, it feels like the elements were always there, right? Like Derwin James got drafted like four years ago. Like Joey Bosa has right. been there since 2016. Like they've had these guys, but it just felt like Philip rivers, as good as he was, he just kind of felt like a man out of time in a league that was mo- moving more towards mobile quarterbacks. He was as immobile as they come. And then they just couldn't figure it out at head coach. I mean, Anthony Lynn is a good play caller, but he's not a head coach. Some of these other guys they've had there just weren't it. It's it seems like they've really hit on the combination that they needed there at coach and quarterback, and oftentimes that's the difference. Yeah, that uh, can carry you a long way. You get Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson. You get you know Andy Reid, Mahomes. I mean, I can list all of them, but that's that's the magic sauce. But other than that, I mean, Rashawn Slater, guy that I had offensive tackle one, they draft him. Uh, we were thinking maybe the Chargers are going to trade that first round pick to the Ravens even for Orlando Brown or do something to go make sure they get a tackle. They end up having Rashawn Slater fall right in their freaking lap. And they have a franchise tack, a franchise left tackle in year one. They go out and get Corey Lindsley, a guy I was looking at for the Ravens as well, you know, an all pro center. They completely rebuild that entire offensive line. They continue to solidify their defense. They go get guys, you know, they get guys like Charles Harris and uh, Nasir Adderley picks it up. And also Brandon Staley's scheme switches over They're They're suddenly in this too high uh, light box, you know, really trying to, to shut down opposing passing games and, allow teams to run on them. And it's uh, more of a new age kind of defense. And it has had some some interesting results so far. So like you said, yeah, they had pieces, but that even goes back to Phillip Rivers, man. Like 
they always had pieces. They've always had talent, and they just never had the the right sauce coaching wise. You know, maybe Rivers wasn't the best quarterback, but they had playmakers all the time. Always got you know Antonio Gates, Zanian Tomlinson, going all the way back. So very interesting team, interesting franchise, interesting organization, and and one that shocked the Ravens. Uh, you know, they had they had a crazy stretch playing them twice in three weeks. Chargers kicked them out of the playoffs. There's some of those same faces there, like you mentioned, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. Uh, Keenan Allen, you know, there's, there's some, some, some of those faces still there. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it has been an organic process to your point and, um, it feels like it's reaching a culmination point this year. I don't know if I'm going to be a hundred percent on board that they're going to win the Super Bowl because it does kind of feel tough to do during that first breakout year, just as sort of a 30,000 foot view type take, but, uh, they're definitely, they're definitely going to be the class of the league, I think, or among the class of the league. And, uh, Two heavyweights, four and one, facing off in Baltimore on Sunday. Two heavyweights for sure. Um, I think there's some similarities between the Colts' offense and the Chargers' offense. Wentz not playing, you know, on the level that Justin Herbert's playing on, but Wentz is playing well, and he played well. And he's driving the ball to the sideline. They run a ton of screens. So, again, they're going to go play a team that likes to throw running backs, throw screens to the running backs, likes to throw screens in general. Um Austin Eckler super dangerous out of the backfield. They're mighty creative on those screens and what they do with them. And it's, it's going to be an interesting time. Definitely going to be an interesting time. Um, they don't throw a ton of screens to receivers or anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure they all go to running backs, which is similar to the Colts. I think Keenan Allen had one and Eckler had seven. And then, uh, pardon me, the other running back, Kelly had one. Justin Jackson, pardon me, had one as well. So they like to feed the ball to Eckler. Eckler's a shifty running back that has some breakaway speed. Um, was going back to that Browns game. He was making guys miss, you know, hitting seams at the right time, doing all that good stuff. And again, you know, we got in a comment here about Anthony Averett. Does Anthony Averett have a weakness in his ability? So we have Tyler in the comments who asks, does Averett have a weak spot, like routes he struggles covering, that Colts took advantage of, or you guys think it was a bad game? I think that Averett just doesn't have the physical strength to go push around a Michael Pittman or a Mike Williams or any of that stuff. And he he didn't he's playing conservatively. He doesn't want to get beat deep. Averett's a technician. I think he has good footwork. He's a thin guy. He's a track guy. And I like Anthony Averett still. Did he have a rough game for sure? Did I think he had a you know he was out of place a ton? Not really. Wentz was just super accurate and drove the ball to the sideline. And again, what's what does Justin Herbert like to do? drive the ball to the sideline of those big dudes. Mike Williams has not practiced at this point the last two days, so that's something to monitor. And I'll go as far as saying, if Mike, well, I'm, I'm not very confident in the Ravens to win this game, to be honest. And if Mike Williams doesn't play, I think I'll be a lot more confident and we'll take the Ravens. So I, I think that's a real X factor, what Mike Williams is doing, the lack of kind of depth that they have at the receiver position, uh, especially on the perimeters. You know, they have Keenan Allen, obviously. Jared Cook can do some great things. Even Donald Parham, Austin Eckler does things. But Mike Williams really takes them over the top right now. He's been one of the best receivers in football. He's got long speed. He's got the size. He's got the confidence, you know, the, the ball tracking skills, the, the clutch factor as well late in games. Mike Williams always makes plays late in games over the last couple of years. I think SIS has him as the fifth receiver in the NFL in terms of points earned. Uh, which is like EPA considering everyone in the field. So he's been outstanding. Him not being able to go would be a devastating loss, I think, for uh, Justin Herbert, who is a smart quarterback, but again, has not seen these Ravens. They do run a pretty exotic defense. There's a lot of stuff. There's some 
you know, guys that can be taken advantage of in that in that Chargers protection scheme. But Herbert's a smart guy, so uh, this offense overall is just whew, I don't know I don't know what to say on how to beat him, especially with Mike Williams in the lineup. Yeah, and I mean, like as far as like you're kind of talking about your overall thoughts going into it, like it's to me it shapes up a lot like what we saw from them last week, where they get into a track meet with Cleveland. And you just got to win the track meet like it from what we saw from the Ravens defense last week and every game is different in this one damn well might be depending upon what they emphasize in practice and how it all shakes out. But I could very well see this turning into another barn burner of a, a game where you got to you got to break your heart pills out entering the fourth quarter and just kind of see what happens and let the chips fall where they may. But if it breaks against the Ravens and they're at four and two after uh, losing to a damn good football team, I think that's going to be fine. But it is going to be tough like you know, to my point about how they were looking against the Colts, like you're allowing guys like Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack to just slip tacklers and uh, break into the second level. And that, that first touchdown the Colts scored was atrocious. Like Austin Eckler is another level than those guys. And he is going to be a load to handle just as powerful as he is like fast and shifty. I don't think people totally think of him that way, but he, he will lower his shoulder and absolutely fight for yards. Mike Williams, that long touchdown he had looks so effortless. There was nothing in his footwork or anything. He just, ran behind Cleveland's defense and just took it to the house out of nowhere for the, I think the Chargers first touchdown there. Um, and yeah, they just, they got players all over the field. There were maybe some weak points to, uh, to attack, but there are plenty of those on the Ravens uh, side of the ball or uh, roster as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think the only kind of meta thought I have, which is probably too meta and a dumb one, but Herbert, has attempted the most passes. So SIS charts left, left, middle, middle, right, middle, and right. So right and left are going to be outside of the numbers. And he has attempted 128 passes outside the numbers. That is the most over Jared Goff in second. Goff has 104, which is the difference between second place and I think 11th place. So he's kind of the, the inverse Lamar Jackson from what people have said over the last couple of years. On those, he has 29 points earned, 29.29. Ironically enough, I'll just say this part, Lamar Jackson has only attempted 65 passes outside the numbers, but has earned 29.27 points there, 0 .02 away from Herbert. Um, so looking at him, Herbert's number one in the NFL in attempts there, number one in points earned there. Outside leverage is what I'm going to get at. Essentially, you want him to work over the middle of the field. I think he throws more. Uh, turnover-worthy balls over the middle of the field. So first in points earned when in points earned, uh, I think he's, let's see, 15 of these passes. So I think in points earned per play, because he does have really high volume, he is still seventh and all that good stuff. So unanimously, probably the best passer outside the numbers right now in the NFL. Then when you go look at left middle, middle and right middle, so over the middle of the field, obviously, he is still good, obviously. He is ninth in points earned. Um, hundred and excuse me, 73 throws. So he's throwing outside the numbers more than he's throwing inside of them, which is pretty crazy. And you just can't lose that battle. Ultimately, I think you can lose, or excuse me, you can't lose that war. I think you can lose the battle of letting guys, you know, release inside, convert some third downs, maybe, um, you know, let them work over the middle of the field. But they don't have, I mean, Jalen Guyton is a dangerous receiver after the catch, but Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and I'm not going to even really say Keenan Allen all the way, but, uh, you know, Jared Cook's a fast guy, kind of, but you can chop his legs down. He's super tall. He's older. He's not some crazy guy after the catch anymore. Keenan Allen definitely has some sauce after the catch and can do some things, but he's not a burner. Like, 
I'm not threatened by Yak by their receiving core. Obviously, Eckler is a completely different story, so don't include him in that. But long story short, make them win over the middle of the field. Don't let them win on the perimeter. Play outside leverage. Fight through. See if you can't generate a turnover on the outside or if they try to force balls in. And Herbert's unique arm strength, just really uh, placement, timing, anticipation to the outside is incredible. And I think you got to play outside leverage. You got to run some, you know, uh, too high structure against him a little bit and try and see if you can't force him to work over the middle of the field. I think you can get him to miss some defenders, miss some reads over the middle of the field. The Browns had some uh, good discipline in curl drop zone. So there's hook, then curl, then flat middle 45 degree angle sideline. And those hook defenders did a good job. Um, or excuse me, those curl defenders did a good job staying disciplined, maintaining their curl, and not ba- getting baited on like switches or rubs or anything. And Herbert threw like at least one interceptable ball and grounded a couple, trying to throw it away a little bit. So I think that's kind of the the battle to watch in the pass game. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be tough. And um, I think I got Herbert at about seven and a half. Uh, yards as far as depth per target, which is uh, probably, what is that, like half in the league, you think, um, as far as qualified starters. Um, I'm not totally sure how to organize this this bad boy on airyards.com, but it looks like he's he's slinging it deep. And like for a guy who, uh, there were some concerns about like, I don't know, his propensity to turn the ball over a little bit. Doesn't really seem like he's doing that too much uh, throughout his career and especially not this year. So he's uh, he's able to be that gunslinger and take those risks and also like isn't turning the ball over which is kind of something similar that we've seen with Patrick Mahomes and what makes him so difficult to handle and like he also just this is another kind of just sort of fan you know watching take type thing but like and I'm sure there are metrics to measure this but like the ball just comes off his hands so fast like he's got a quick release and he has such incredible velocity you could probably find his velocity like off the top of your head, but like, he just, I don't know, man, he's just going to be an incredible test for a Ravens defense that really needs a bounce back week pretty badly to all the points that we've been talking about here. Absolutely. We got Don C in the comments. Patrick queen has me feeling not so good with Austin Eckler coming. He's going to get whooped. Um, and then we also have a comment from, you know Barnett. what that smells like to me? Opportunity. Smell like? Does smell like opportunity. Austin Eckler, Garnet comments, known for being pound for pound running back, and it shows shifty as hell. So good after the catch, so good in space. Uh, I, I honestly underestimated Austin Eckler in fantasy a lot. I was a lot of people were high on him, and I was like, nope, not taking him. Don't want any shares. I took zero shares, not because I don't think he's great. I thought that the Chargers were going to do some stupid shit where they don't give him the football. Um, so I'm glad for him in that circumstance. It's going to be a good test for the Ravens defense. He is so good after the catch. He is so shifty. He is strong. He's so small in terms of mass that he occupies that it gives him leverage advantage. It makes him a smaller target to hit. Small running backs have benefits. Um, so he he definitely is pound for pound a tank and is going to give them a tough test, just like Jonathan Taylor did last week uh, in, in different ways. He doesn't quite have that crazy track speed that Jonathan Taylor has, but he's shiftier. Um, he's if, if the Ravens don't get better in pursuit, and like we've talked about, Patrick Queen has become the poster boy for that and has had struggles for sure. The The Ravens need to, to get this ship right. It's it's out of control. And I, I didn't really love what I heard from Wink Martindale today, that they need to be faster. I think that's the problem. I think they're too fast. I think their pursuit is out of control. They don't think about how to layer or stagger pursuits so that there are levels. Justin Houston 
should not be the guy who's like at the boundary trying to chase you inside. He should be the guy chasing you and funneling you to the boundary. Like they're not layering or staggering their pursuit. And I don't know how you can fix that. And it feels like the the mantras are not paying off. You know, play like a raven, run to the ball. They're running like fucking psychos to the ball and it's biting them in the ass. Time and time again, they're out of control. Patrick Queen is out of control. Even, you know, Chuck Clark has had some issues last couple of weeks. I mean, that, that, that first Humphrey's touchdown that I mentioned, issues. Chuck Clark overpursued the shit on, out of that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And there was out. no linebackers in the middle of the field. So you can't, it's like, I, I just don't, I don't, I, it, they're in a tough place. I don't see it getting better immediately. Maybe after the bye, I'm hoping. Uh, that's that's where the Ravens can write that ship. But right now, it's brutal. Um, I did a, v- a video kind of detailing it. They have the athleticism to be patient in pursuit. Use the sideline. Garnet said in the live stream last night that I did, the Terrell Suggs quote, the sidelines never missed a tackle. Funnel guys. Patrick Queen's got 4-5 speed. Chuck Clark's got 4-5 speed. Marlon Humphrey's got, you know, world-class hurdle speed maybe. Anthony Averett is again as well, like, you can't be over-pursuing. Over-pursuit is the issue. They're also not like bending through and wrapping up and staying square. They've just lost so much fundamental play. And I think that also is a result of this positionless defense where you're, you know, asked to wear so many hats and they've got all these like bodies. None of them are physically kind of dominant in one way or the other. They're all well-rounded. And they they're they're thinking about so many different things, thinking about disguising what they're doing, thinking about how they're going to orient themselves, who needs to, you know, get who in coverage, and they're not focusing. They're, they're playing too fast once the play reveals itself, once the screen is thrown, you know, once the play develops, they're out of control, and they just need to slow the hell down. So, uh, I mean, Wink knows better than me, so maybe I'm just a complete idiot, but I didn't love that comment, and to me it sounded like the exact opposite of the problems they're having. To the, uh, I guess we can have a queen conversation here, too, and kind of just lump it in. Like, I think this is a good question about the veteran middle linebacker maybe potentially being next to him and like would that help you know they got josh Bynes in the building do you think like maybe another investment there would have helped to kind of rein him in a little bit because it does feel like it was just sort of all right we're gonna put all our eggs in this queen harrison basket and so far the dividends are not paying off i'm not even sure who they would have signed necessarily but just as a thought exercise well they had lj fort and he is the bet i would say that lj fort going back to 2018 even when the ravens had cj mosley I would say the highest quality linebacker play in this in this Wink Martindale defense was LJ Fort and has been LJ Fort. That patience that he has, the ability to wait for a play to develop, stay calm and go sniff it out. And he is not the most explosive athlete, you know, in comparison with a guy like Queen, but but he is an athlete. And it was really devastating when he went down. So um, I think it would help to have the quality linebacker play on the field. If they had a veteran, if they could get another guy that was similar to LJ Fort, but uh, right now, you know, I don't know if it's going to help Queen this year. Uh, he just needs to again. The, the phrase that I keep going to, he's not beating offensive linemen to their spots. He's slow to to you know start the battle against the block, and then he's too fast in pursuit and he overruns everything. And it's like the, it's the exact inverse of what you want to see. It is the polar opposite of what he needs to be doing. He's six foot 230. So he needs to beat Lyman to their spot, make mistakes fast, not tentative. And then he runs four or five. So why do you need to sprint immediately at the sideline? So uh, I think it's a little bit of a dual edged sword there that has, you know, got, the Ravens have gotten the sharp end. And Malik Harrison is just lethargic a lot of times, it feels like. Um, he's he's kind of just, you know, a panda bear 
in terms of diagnosing and, and getting after it a little bit, he's a little bit too patient. So the yin and the yang there has not gone well the last couple of weeks. But I also just think that it, it's kind of like a, a microcosm of obsession over, you know, a couple of highlight bad plays. It's like Lamar Jackson, his rookie year, throws a screen that's two yards shy and it's a horrible, easy throw. He misses a layup. So now Lamar Jackson sucks at throwing the football. He's incapable of throwing the football. Every time he misses, we have to talk about it. So every time Patrick Queen misses a tackle, he's the worst tackler on earth. He does nothing good. It amplifies all these things. And social media is really bad for that. And I find like 10 good plays. Yeah. And social media is really bad for that. And like he's on social media too. And that's like not helping. And like, I'm not saying that he has to get off it or anything. It's a big part of his generation. And like, it's going to be what it's going to be. But I, I kind of like, it feels like to me that these are more mental problems. And obviously like he's got all the physical talent in the world. So of course there's something going on between the ears, but can it get fixed? I don't know, but like maybe let's just unplug for like, one week, two week, three weeks, and just like kind of get in the lab and like start working with the linebackers coaches and like doing what you have to do to try and turn the ship around a little bit and try to play a little more reined in and uh, not with your hair on fire necessarily. I mean, that go- this goes back to last year when we were talking about him playing lose battles to win wars in general. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes back to last year when we were saying, Oh, he's play he plays with his hair on fire. That's great. He's like a rookie. He's going to make mistakes and he's going to make a lot of plays. And like, that's carried over into this year, but much more in the negative sense now, which is tough. For sure. And last year we saw him have this exact problem set. And I think he's also gotten a lot better in coverage. Like pursuit is still an issue, but coverage is not an issue. He took away Michael Pittman on a crosser, on a play action that he bit on. He roboted the Warren Sharp make fun of, you know, Michael Parsons thing, turned his back, sprinted upfield and chook that read away from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz ends up having to throw the ball away, gets crushed by a defensive lineman. Uh, There was another one where the exact same thing happens, and he's pointing to Marlon Humphrey. It's actually on the screen that I was referring to where Houston and and Queen and Humphrey and all these guys miss, you know, have a shitty pursuit stagger. But he points out Michael Pittman to Humphrey. He's chasing it down. He closed the early window. Then he starts waving his hand, points back to Humphrey, who then cuts off Pittman's crosser. So, in coverage, leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds better in coverage. But last year, he was too fast. Then the last month or two of the season, he just started playing like LJ Ford. Let the play develop, then go then go take a good, you know, under control but explosive, clean, tight angle and, and blow it up. And I think we saw some good play down the stretch. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe not this week, but it, it's coming. The dude's 22 years old. Um, I, I still have a ton of confidence in him. But that leash is going to keep getting tighter and, and shorter and shorter and shorter. And ultimately, if if these issues aren't solved by this time next year, then it's 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 tough. It's you you know Eric DaCosta and Wink are going to have to start having conversations. And let me just address something like the the Warren Sharp thing was fucking egregious. Like, come on, man. Like, if you don't know what you're talking about, that's okay. Leave it alone. You don't have to post a clip and try to get engagement. Like, you don't have to do that to Micah Parsons. And Micah Parsons is going to be fine. Like, he can take criticism. He's a grown man. He's a millionaire, whatever. Same thing goes with Patrick Queen, uh, with all the people that are criticizing him right now. But what I'm going to say to all these people criticizing him, you're right as of right now, okay? You don't have to, like, keep driving it into the ground and say, like, every single time. You Rashad know, Perriman. Yeah, exactly. Like, the same thing. And, like, you know, Rashad Perriman's career here probably ended because, well, not because of that necessarily, but it didn't help. It's not helping Patrick Queen right now. 
And if you're more insistent on being right about the fact that you were early on Patrick Queen not being a good pick, well, that's great for you. Go to it and keep tweeting at him and tweeting about him and doing all this shit. But if you're more interested yeah, in this call team him a bum, good, call him trash. Say and, he needs a good bench. Yeah, like if you're if you want to do that, that's, that's great. That's but what if, you want to hear. If you're interested in the well-being of this team, then just leave it alone. Like let the kid fucking and like it's never going to happen. I know I'm just like kind of shouting into the void and everything, but if that helps even one person to realize that like tweeting about a player who is just in an, a really bad slump right now and it's obvious, you're just beating a dead horse. It helps nobody. You're not, it doesn't make you cool. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't, it doesn't make you smart. You People think they're smart for saying, you know, a year or two ago or whatever that, oh, what a bad pick. 20-year-old linebacker started eight games. He's not ready. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, looks like you were right right now. That's fine. Le- exactly. Just leave it alone. It's, that's that's, that's the fan base part. And um, that's something, that's why I think that the Bills have a cool fan base because they seem to, and, and honestly, Tremaine Edmonds has had the exact same fucking career and was younger than Queen was drafted higher, is a bigger, stronger, faster athlete, and struggled. And you don't hear them, you know, ripping him down, ripping him apart. And I, Bill's Mafia is like the loudest, biggest, like easiest, most transparent fan base to see into. And I, you know, cover one we follow. We have all, we've talked with all these guys in there, and you just don't see that kind of stuff. So, I, I mean, I don't love that about any player. I don't love the snide shit. Uh, I think it, a lot of it is like, I don't know, people's insecurity. You talked about the social media era. I think that's a lot of it too. And the L plus ratio plus clown plus bum, like all that stuff. Which are funny. funny. Those those are funny in the right spots, but like, like you you got to pick the right spots. We love it. We love all that stuff. We participate in it. But like, like you said, you're just beating a dead horse. Congratulations. So, you know, try and try and, you know, maybe as a fan base, pick the guy up a little bit, have his back a little bit more so. Uh, especially or if you have you nothing nice to say, dude. just don't say anything at all. Like it's going to make or his day better anything. and yeah. it's going to make your day better to not participate in negativity. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I'm not trying to champion myself, but I tweeted that he got laid out in the hole last year and then he fucking blocked me. So like, it doesn't make me cool or anything. Like I'm, you don't carry that with you. He's a 22 year old dude. He's younger. He doesn't have a ton of experience. So try and pick him up a little bit as a Ravens fan base. Yeah, absolutely. And now you are the, uh, your, your fucking General Patton in the trenches firing back. At I'm John Snow behalf. holding my fucking sword out in the middle of this goddamn war saying, like, I think it's still going to be okay. He still has plenty of good plays. And again, I just I just think in the end that microscope needs to get dialed back and just watch it through your own freaking eyeball lenses instead. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's the same kind of stuff that everyone in the Ravens, you know, fan base hates when it happens to Lamar Jackson. They did it to Rashad Perriman. You know, they've done it. You know, I feel like that same kind of thing is happening a little bit. So a, give them a fucking break. Uh, yeah, there's a thing that soccer fans in England, who I think American football fans, whether they realize it or not, share a lot of DNA with, where they say, get behind the lats. Are we going to get behind the lats? And like these soccer fans, they show up to their pubs. They don't really tailgate, but they go to their pubs and they get shit house before the right. game. And they talk for hours about how this guy's shite and the manager's got to go. Manager X out whatever, and all that shit. But then when the game kicks off, we're getting behind the lads and we're going to support them. And, you know, it's, they might have a rough game. They might, you know, have a couple of bad sequences, whatever, but might have a bad month, might have a bad fucking season. It's when it's not even their week, their month, or even their year, they'll be there for them. The lads. So get behind the lads, Ross, Rachel, Joey, Monica, and Chandler, as well as Phoebe, they'll be there for them. We just did a lot there, but yeah. All right. This is a, see, this is our Patrick queen rallying cry. That we're telling you, pick the kid up or don't say anything at this point right now. Uh, so moving on. Yeah. 
this Chargers offensive line to, to sum it up. Let's see. I'm just going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go through blown blocks by the Chargers. I don't think they have a lot. Their offensive line is fucking good. I don't think they're incredible, but they're pretty damn good. Um, Rashawn Slater, we already touched on. The, that's the whole arm length thing where everyone was saying he has to play guard. Oh, just kick him into guard. And I'm going to, I'm going to say the name. I'm going to say Vasily Larikos. He's a guard. Got to play guard. Well, looks like a franchise left tackle because he's so athletic. His margin for error is uh, a lot better than people think. So their other tackle, Storm Norton, who played, I think, last week. He leads our team with 11 blown blocks. Rashawn Saylor is actually second. Feeler, their guard, has five. Corey Lindsley, the all-pro center, has three. And then Ode Abushi has three as well. So I, I think this is a good unit. I think they're aggressive. They're physical. They have solid pass pro. But I don't think they're unreal. I don't think they're like a top three unit. And uh, I think Justin Herbert elevates them a lot, his ability to spread defenses out, get the ball out quickly, the quick release, all that good stuff. Uh, their run game really isn't like complex or impressive. It's very straightforward. Uh, I don't think they have a great run game, to be honest, but Eckler, you know, does do some good things from time to time in space. Uh, the teams respect the pass so much. So uh, the run game, I'm not crazy worried about. And you'd obviously rather lose to that run game than Herbert, probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of like goes back to... Uh the Bills Giants Super Bowl uh, where just Bill Belichick said, I'm going to let Thurman Thomas beat me. And if, or if Thurman Thomas beats me, I'm okay with that. I'm going to stop this passing game. Right. Spot on. So um, that's, that's kind of the quandary that we can flip to the other side of the ball where Brandon Staley is going to find himself right now with the Ravens and with Lamar Jackson, who is wheeling and dealing. He's taking the low hanging fruit and he basically, I mean, you basically just got schooled. You're watching the tape of the Ravens-Broncos. That is your defense. That is Vic Fangio's defense that you came from. You have similar principles. Broncos have a talented secondary. They've got Von Miller. You've got Joey Bosa. You know, there's some parallels there, some pretty heavy ones. If Brandon Staley wants to take away the run game, I think he's a fool. I think you want to test that run game a little bit. Um, I, I think you want to, you know, invite them to run into it, see what happens. And, and flip the script from what Denver did. Don't let them get the pass game going. You know, stay conservative a little bit in the pass game. See if you can make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. If Latavius, I mean, you just said Thurman Thomas. If Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman are beating you, what else? What are you going to do here? You know, that's best case scenario because you don't want Lamar Jackson beating you. He's on fire right now. He is number one in points earned. He's number one in EPA. He's number one in per play because he's throwing the ball less. Completion percentage over. You guys all watch the Colts game. You guys all watch the Broncos game. You watch the Lions game. He's out of his fucking mind right Depth now. Depth of target, 10.46 yards. That is uh, number one in the NFL and starters by a wide margin. He is absolutely slinging the rock. Slinging the rock. And last you know, last week, uh, did the Colts have some injuries for sure? But it's still a Julian Blackman, one of the best safeties in the NFL last year. Xavier Rhodes played in most of that game. Uh, Sandejo was a starter for them. Like he's, I don't know why that is their plan to have him be a starter on their football team, but he was basically the one corner gets hurt and then Rhodes ends up getting hurt a couple times and ends up going out. And, uh, the funny part about that is Lamar just picked their linebackers apart. Like he tortured them underneath last week was the game where we saw him push the ball downfield the least. I think his a dot was like 6.8. We'll just say 6.9. And, uh, I think that, you know, he showed that he can do it anyway right now. And Sammy Watkins going down feels like a pretty major blow 
a little bit against a very talented Chargers defense, um, even though they did just get run on by the Browns. So Watkins, I think, you know, we, we get Rashad Bateman back. We're fucking jacked up for that, of course. But we already know he's going to be on a pitch count. I think he looks a little skinny. And I don't think he's going to feel, you know, very comfortable. He's not Sammy Watkins in terms of, under, you know, having all this experience, seeing all these different corners already, seeing these different defensive schemes, playing in an NFL stadium, you know, understanding coverage, pace, speed of the game, things like that. So, uh, you know, Torrey Smith said it best. Don't don't jump on this kid immediately. Don't expect him to be going out there looking 100%. I think there will be a little bit of drop-off. So I think the onus is going to be a lot on uh, du- DuVernay and Prochet to step up, to be frank. Yeah, and they have so far. Um, sneaky good game for both of those guys against the Colts, so I'm excited to see how they respond uh, to the opportunity because if I had to guess, like we've t- we've talked about this. I actually, I remember Justin Bopp, who's uh, uh, one of the higher-ups at SB Nation, was telling me, like, yeah, Sammy's going to like look really good for the first four or five games, then a hamstring injury is going to sideline him for a couple. So it'll be a good signing, but it's just going to you know be ready for that. So here we are. We've arrived at that point. I don't expect Sammy to play on Sunday. And those young guys uh, who we've talked about, the fact that it's time to stop talking about this supporting cast thing. Bart Scott, all right, let's let's leave that thing alone. Like, And we're going to talk about that probably, but it's like this idea that Lamar Jackson has nobody to throw to, not only at the top with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, who are both very, very good players, obviously, but now Sammy Watkins in the mix is very good. They have another first-round receiver, receiver coming off the shelf. And Devin DuVernay and James Prochet are solid professional receivers. This is not some sort of bare cupboard that people seem to point out to it, like Joe Flacco a la 2017. I mean, the Broncos, for instance, uh, I just follow some people on Broncos Twitter, and Deontay Spencer, their five foot eight slot receiver, they're all freaking out because Teddy Bridgewater tried to throw a slot fade to him at the end of that Steelers game. It's like, Miles Boykin and Tylen Wallace are your wide receiver, like five, six, seven, like... That's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel bad at all. Uh, Boykin, you know, again, I'll, I'll just say this dumb box score stat, but he has like as many touchdowns as Odell Beckham does dating back to when he was drafted. He, You know, Beckham misses time, whatever, but Boykin has a role. He's a nice role player. He does a couple things nice, and he doesn't have to play a ton anymore. So in, in full, I mean, Marquise Brown, if he catches one of those passes against the Lions, people are talking about, you know, him as a wide receiver one in fantasy. He, he is that anyway. And he's, he's doing a lot of good things. So Mark Andrews, no worse than the third best receiving tight end in football. Uh, I think, you you know, if you want to argue that Waller's better or Kelsey's better, then I'm, I'm not going to fight you on that. That's fine. I understand your perspective. But if you're talking about, you know, him not being a lethal matchup problem right now and really always, then you're a fool. So uh, they've got more depth than they've had. They have more talent than they've had. These guys have had, at this point, Hollywood and Andrews have been together with Lamar for two full seasons prior and you know now they're in year three andrews is in like year three and a half so they've seen a lot of things they're reading stuff the same way they're able to you know get the ball out quickly they're adjusting in the red zone they understand where you know lamar wants them to go where they're supposed to go where they like the ball those kind of things they have chemistry so uh all that stuff is just talk radio shit and whatever fuck bart scott right now Love him for his hit on Ben, hate him for his take this week. Yeah, it's okay to like, there, there have been a lot of philosophical discussions about, oh, Bart's not a Raven. It's like, well, yeah, he is. He just also happens to be a guy who works in an industry where he is required to be saying something at all times. And uh, he said something that I don't agree with at all. Some people probably do. That's kind of whatever. But like, I don't know. Just the, the And then the fact that like, 
Hollywood makes a fairly simple joke about his name, which I thought was kind of funny. If you, if you want to get kind of pissed off at that, I get it. But then Bart goes absolutely fucking scorched earth, Harrier jet on him today, like talking about how like he's he's got pictures of himself in like some sort of hall of fame in the second floor of the castle that's like dwarfs anything Hollywood has ever done. It's, last like, time there. it's like Bart, you were you were an awesome player here. Let's not act like you're on the Mount Rushmore. Okay. Like let's give this kid let's give this kid some breathing room. And Bart like, is like Jamie Sharper was a better Robin to freaking Ray Lewis. Like you're like the Bart, number two or the three thing about Bart, best Robin to Ray Lewis. The thing that I love about Bart is he's just one of those. He's a company guy. Like he, you know, he tells a story about when he's in Cleveland and the Browns are trying to sign him, and then Ozzy gets him on the phone, so he goes into the bathroom stall in Cleveland's facility and he signs the contract right there. Like I like that stuff. So I I I like Bart a lot, but let's let's calm down with like the you know acting like you're on some side some sort of perch above. Hollywood Brown, who's trying to get his career off to the right start. And let's, you know, frankly, like, let's let's leave it alone for one thing, Bart, because you were the one talking about how Lamar Jackson is not a PT player, a primetime player, literally last year. And now you're defending him, saying that he has no one to throw to. Like, it's just a weird, like, the, the radio industrial complex, just the churn of these fucking takes that just come in and just go out and then come back in again. It's just, it's nauseating, frankly. And, like... I'm thankful that we're hopefully uh, providing at least a little bit of respite from that, even though we probably do it in our own way too. Spot on. And uh, you said some people want it all. And I say some people just live for the fortune. Some people just live for the fame. Some people live for the power. Yeah. Some people just play the game. Couldn't have Alicia said it. Keys for you. Folks. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for your service. Um, yeah, but whatever. Marquise Brown's having a lot of this is this is my take out of this whole situation. Actually, the sober take is that Marquise Brown is hilarious. He also doesn't give a shit what you have to say about him. He is he's on Twitch all the time. He's on social media more than Patrick Queen is. He doesn't give a but shit. But he about also anything. is like a troll himself, and nothing everything falls right off of him. He has the ultimate confidence. All of it rolls right off. He did get pissy last year with the soldier stuff, and it feels like he's learned from that. And at this point. He's performing well. He's having fun. He's, you know, living it up. He bounces back from an awful game. He's breaking two news. great outstanding games. He's breaking news live on Twitch. He's he's like Ian Rappaport level. Marquise Rappaport. Yeah, he's he's breaking that. Not Schefter. Not Schefter. Yeah, he, no, he doesn't it, have an editor. Let me tell you a little something about journalistic ethics, okay? You know, I know a thing or two about that, and he is not Adam Schefter. He is much more clean hands uh, you know, than that Schefter fellow. But uh, yeah, he, he breaks the news on Twitch that Rashad Bateman will be active for the Ravens, which is a uh, sentence that I am not sure that I ever would have thought I would be uttering as recent as like two years ago. But here we are. Here we are. And there we go. But yeah, returning back to this, you know, this matchup on the other side of the ball. Um, we t I talked about the two high stuff as I'm playing around here with the with the charting and all that shit. Uh, and again, all this stuff I say, take it with a grain of salt. I don't. I think that trying to chart coverages and chart certain aspects of defense is really hard. There's like, like I've been a part of arguments: is this cover four? Is this man two? Is this cover two? But when I'm playing around with the data, I think it's decently accurate. And so the Chargers, when you go to their two high stuff, cover two, man two, cover four, cover six, are sixth in points saved out of those. They have faced 64 passes in that, which is ninth most in the NFL. I don't have the rate in front of me. Uh, per play, they are ninth in all that good stuff. But when you take man cover two out of it, 
the only one of those that is man. So we're left with cover two, cover four, cover six. They drop down to 16th in points saved and a lot less. So about half of their points saved and half of their negative EPA they've forced comes out of man two. And guess what? You can't play against Lamar Jackson, man two. So if they want to, that's playing with fire. Maybe they trust Derwin James there to be the rat, the robber, whatever. Uh, Nasir Adderley, their safety that I, I loved, we talked about on this podcast out of Delaware two years ago. Uh, freaky, freaky, freaky FCS player. He returned kicks. He still does for them. He hit Nick Chubb in the hole and made Nick Chubb's face mask and entire body turn back toward the zone end zone. He hit him so hard. Haven't seen that happen before. Playing out of his mind, but he has a hip. He's been limited. I think he missed a practice and was limited, if I'm not mistaken. I think that would be a big loss for them. Um, so kind of handicap what they can do and, and looking at zone coverage in general. So that just will add in cover three. Uh, the Chargers are mediocre, according to the metrics. Um, they are, excuse me, they're actually eighth in just all zone coverage. So they're doing pretty well there, aside from that. Uh, so it's, it's going to be an interesting battle. I know they're still without Kenneth Murray. Um, so it's, it's just a disciplined unit on the back end. They, they rotate a little bit. They roll a little bit. It's going to look a little bit like the Broncos. I think they've got some intensity, but Lamar Jackson's playing out of his mind right now. So I'm, I'm just curious what they're going to do. Uh, feels like Greg Roman is very consistently giving up, you know, the run game, uh, in a good way, play action on first down at a super high rate, but they don't really care if you run the ball all that much. Uh, the Browns just ran all over them. The Browns' offensive line looked a hell of a lot better than the Ravens' offensive line. Uh, just, you know, from execution standpoint, it's hard when they're not playing the same teams or anything. But Browns' offensive line looked awesome. The Ravens' offensive line has looked solid, good, okay, like average. Against all odds. Um, against all odds, yeah. They're playing better than they should be, for sure. But I think that also has to do with, like, Tomlinson, Ricard, and Murray being used to help especially in pass pro, you know, going empty and then having Ricard on the right tackle, uh, split it against the right tackle, Murray on the left side, chipping and then releasing. Like that's all good shit that Greg Roman should be calling. And you don't even really need to give him kudos for it because it would be negligent not to do those kinds of things. And I'm a, I'm a Greg Roman apologist. Everybody knows that, but he's doing what he should be doing, which is helping them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all the flack that he seems to get about the passing game, I think, you know, he is – owed a little bit of props here, a little bit of flowers uh, for what the passing game has been doing, and uh, as are the, the two coaching hires that we've talked all about. So, uh, yeah, it's been a revolution, and we're going to see how he does choose to attack this defense. It does sound like Drew uh, Tranquil is going to be out, too, who's playing really well at inside linebacker for them. He's like fifth overall out of PFF grading, and they are not kind of linebackers, as we know. So sounds like he's going to be out. Tranquil uh, can play, man. He can definitely play. Yeah, so he's he's going to be missing for them, so that's going to be tough. And we talked on Twitter a little bit about how they're but he's out. He's, they ruled him out. No, no, but he it's expected that he's not going to play. Apparently, so he him and Williams both haven't practiced. Yeah, so I, I didn't see anything on Williams, but Jonas actually tweeted it's expected Tranquil is not going to play. So I, I we can probably take that to take that to heart. But we talked a little bit about on Twitter thirty uh, first and defensive rushing DVOA for the Chargers. So I'm interested to see to our point and kind of bringing it back around in the circle here about how this running game is uh, able to attack this defense. Right. And again, going back to that Broncos game, I think Brandon Staley just needs to look at what Fangio did and flip the priority. Let the Ravens run. Don't worry about it. 
if it's if it's killing you early, then you need to shift your priorities and even it out. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe you need to start, you know, dedicating more bodies, eight, seven man box. But that's just not who Brandon Staley is. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious about that. And again, if Adderley can't go in this game, I think that's a huge loss. Dur- Derwin James, obviously incredible, incredible against the run. Everything you want him to be good at, he's good at. But Adderley can fit really well, can hit, can run, takes good pursuit angles. So if he's not there, I think that's a big loss in this run game. And ultimately, it's it's you know going to be a little bit of a, a, a awesome kind of thought experiment. It's it's kind of the inverse of what Greg Roman's offense is the the outlier, the anomaly. We don't care about you running the ball versus you know Greg Roman being the guy who likes to run the ball that likes to have that creative scheme. So. Um, the Ravens offensive line needs to step it up and help out the backs. I'm, I'm liking Devonte Freeman out of this backfield, man. And I honestly, I, I hate to say it and I don't mean to dunk on Tyson Williams, but I really would have rather seen Le'Veon Bell, uh, just because I'm more curious as a fan, as a, as an observer of football. Uh, I would have really liked to see Bell. I think that Freeman and Bell have the vision. I think that they have the experience and Freeman showed some juice, man. He had a, he had the one clip I put up. He did like a jump cut into another jump cut out and then back in. That was and a huge play too. That got him a first down, like in one of those one of those crucial situations. Right. He and they get who did they trust in at the end of the game when they needed points as the third down back as the two minute back Freeman. So I, I honestly picked him up in fantasy in two of my leagues. Like I think he looks fucking good. I, I want to see Le'Veon as well. To be honest. Uh, Murray's fine. He's just like your your battering ram. Murray's gonna back. be active every game. They, there's no danger of him he's the workhorse yeah exactly he's the workhorse workhorse. they're 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 testing out they're testing out the show ponies right now he's the workhorse yep and uh lamar i mean lamar fumbled that ball he should have just fucking handed it off to murray and he walks into the end zone so uh lamar didn't make very many mistakes in that game but one of them was not just letting the big back go plow in uh he also doesn't really have a lot of opportunities to do much i did see that he he's like the worst back in the NFL in terms of making guys miss or breaking tackles. I don't think he's broken like two tackles yet, but he doesn't have a ton of, uh, doesn't have a ton of opportunity to, it feels like, uh, did have a nice run against the Broncos was able to kind of beat some angles and go take that touchdown in, uh, out of the split back split back. That's something I would like to see in this game. If they're in that too high structure, that is what Greg Roman used to create some angles, create some fun, Little uh, little situation. So look out for split back to make a comeback. And I think the Chargers are trying to prepare for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Um, so <laughs> just got a pump in. So it's it's great to hear. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Darker. I think you mean stunned. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Feel free to clarify. You do look but... great. You've lost a ton of weight and you look fantastic. And I'm glad to hear you got a pump in. Oh yeah. But I think uh, he was going. <laughs> Garnett, these are uh, Anri uh, blue light blockers. So if you need like prescription, you might want to hit up uh, hit up your your uh, doctor. But yeah, A N N R I, I think. Free ads. Yeah, for sure. Listen, hey, drop the bag. That's everyone gets one. Exactly. So at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure you probably agree with this at least to an extent. It's the it's the Herbert and Lamar show. So. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems like those are two guys that it's pretty, and that's why I want to watch that Cowboys game. And again, I mean, Lamar, well, that was more so some drops and some weird stuff, but the lions, you know, held the Ravens under 20 points. So 
Uh, if this is another barn burner, it's going to be a lot of fun. And ultimately, if the if the doomsday scenario happens, the Ravens lose this game. They're four and two. The Chargers are a good team, and you're still at home for another couple games. Then you have a bye. So uh, losing this game is is it doesn't feel like on either side this is a gotta have it game or a loser leaves town game or a you know contender pretender game or any of the things that uh, PMT likes to talk about. But there's there's just some there's just some weird stuff going on here. Two superstars. Chargers have to travel and do that you know dreaded West Coast to East Coast one o'clock game. Uh, I think the only time they did that was actually just down 95 to Washington, and that game was kind of weird. Uh, Chargers ran away with it towards the end. Washington's had their troubles defensively, but this is a crazy game, and it has the worst, you know, maybe the worst commentary crew that exists. <laughs> Which is sick. So, so sick. That, add, that, that adds to the happening. fire, and they're just going to be all over Herbert the entire time. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're going to be all over Herbert. You know, Lamar might be called, you know, the wrong name necessarily. <laughs> Greg had an interesting comment on a uh, shout out to uh, Glenn Clark uh, talking about how the Ravens might uh, Ravens fans might give Ben Roethlisberger a standing ovation uh, next time he's in M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, really solid, solid finger on the pulse stuff there from Greg Gumble as far as uh, this fan base goes. So uh, I, I love that working class Baltimore Ravens fan <laughs> better than, than Greg Gumble. He I've, really has a, a feel for the common man. I like Greg. Seems like a good guy, as I've said, but it, it's time to. It's time to hit the golf course, pal. Let's 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 call this. Let's pack this thing up. Yeah, let's let's speak. Let's, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Speaking of packing up, let's get out here. Let's make these predictions and uh, see what happens. All right. Uh, you want to start us off? No, you always start us off. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. Ravens win thirty-one to twenty-eight. Mine is gonna be like I said. I think if Mike Williams doesn't play, the Ravens win. Let's go. Uh, let's go twenty-seven twenty-two. If Mike Williams plays, I think the Chargers win. And let's go, let's go 29-24. Let's let's Sorry. settle into one. Let's let's not let's not let's not split I don't know. our hairs. I think that's a big deal. We're giving predictions on Thursday, and I'd make my predictions on Tally Site. And full disclosure, if Mike Williams is active, I'm gonna pick the Chargers on Tally Site. And if he's not, I'm gonna pick the Ravens. This feels a little scummy. I You're think gonna... he makes that big of a difference in this game. I think the Chargers are a significantly more docile offense without Mike Williams in it. Okay, I will allow, I will allow this, but you need to tweet at me when the announcement is made whether he's going to be playing. My or not. official will come out when I'm drunk, and I'll probably take the Ravens at like twelve fifty two p.m. You're going to be at fucking Hammerjacks, and like the the notification is going to come out. You're going to miss it, and then you're not going to put your prediction. Well, you're going to have to because of tally site, but exactly. So I will have a formal prediction, and and we'll go with it, but. Fine. Yeah, I'll go Ravens. We'll we'll do the fit. We'll go on the we'll air to the side of the team that I'm a fan of. Let's go Ravens 27, Chargers 22. All right. Like it. And I think that I think those I think that Chargers kicker is gonna Vizcaino, I believe. I think he's gonna gonna leave them hanging a little bit here and, and cause them to go into a little bit of a stir because the Chargers just can't get good kickers no matter what happens. No matter if they are the Jeep Wagoneer of the NFL, they cannot find a kicker. And I'm seeing uh, some predictions in here. I'm also seeing some Lot H on Sunday. I'm down to clown and Lot H. Hit me up. Hit, hit us up on Twitter. Are you going to this one, Jake? Yeah, uh, I will be attending with cool. the uh, the brother and the father. And uh, Eric Jacobs Real Estate will be doing the same uh, same tailgate. Uh, Halpern's Steak and Seafood. I don't know exactly what it's at the corner of, but uh, just a few blocks away from the lots. So uh, we'll, we'll be probably mixing it up uh, in the lots at some point, maybe as we're walking in. So uh, hopefully meet up and if uh, you see me out there give me a shout um yeah i am down to 
chug one with you or uh, grab a picture or do whatever you guys want to do. So uh, excited to get out there. Absolutely. That does it for us. Enjoy Thursday night football. It should be kicking off right now. And uh, without further ado, see ya. I read it Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.